In the name of the true and the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated, won't you? Let me begin by saying what an absolute joy it is to be with you here at St. John's in Tulsa, Oklahoma, my first visit to Tulsa, and I don't think it will be my last. What a wonderful community and place that you all have here in Tulsa, but more importantly, the joy that I feel like a father to a son to see Father David Bumstead at work as your rector in this place and in this parish. It's no secret, I'll tell you right up front, that I love him dearly. I think he is one of the most proficient, talented priests that I have ever come across in my 42 years of ministry. You did very well in calling him. But I also want to say something else, and that is his wife, Becca, is just as an important and proficient person in the world. And last night we had a wonderful meal together and had a great time. Joy is knowing that someone is glad to be with you and I am glad to be with David and Becca. So cheers to you all. Cheers. And again, it's also a joy to be a part of this service for Bradford Thomas Cummings, Christ coming to his new child, making him a part of God's kingdom. And also, I just have to say quickly, what an outstanding, outstanding group of men you have in the Brotherhood of St. Andrew. I spent some magnificent time with them. And, you know, getting to have an opportunity to be among brothers like that is a sheer gift for me. So I want to thank the Brotherhood of St. Andrew. You did a great job. Okay, let's preach. <laughs> this is the fourth Sunday of Easter. Uh, it's known as the Good Shepherd Sunday, and it's always on the fourth Sunday, and each year we hear about this magnificent theme and explore the image of Jesus as the Good Shepherd. And the question at the heart of the gospel lesson for today, which we just heard read, is a question for the ages, really. And here's the question. How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. And we need to understand that that kind of a question addressed to Jesus was really a question of hostility. He is facing tremendous hostility from the religious hierarchy. And they were seeking to trap him and to motivate him to make some type of a mistake that would bring his demise. But hear Jesus' response. I have told you, and you do not believe. And then this icy clincher. You do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. They will never perish. Now that's a bold response. And the thing that I love is, is Jesus is saying to them, I have given you evidence in my signs, in my works, in my teaching, and you do not believe because you do not belong. It reminds me of a question that was asked to the great jazz professional Louis Armstrong. He was asked, how, how would you define jazz? And he responded, if you have to ask me, you will never know. <laughs> and isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth about many things in our lives? 
We want to ask the question. We want to have some type of absolute clarity about things. But I think his, his, his point was there's not any attempt to exclude people from asking the questions or try to exclude them in any other way, but his point was that verbally defining things will never allow you to be experiencing it. On the contrary, the way to understand jazz or anything is to hear it, to dance to it, to engage it, to feel it, knowing that there is something that you are experiencing that brings you profound joy. Why didn't Jesus' critics recognize him as the Messiah? Do they lack the right perspective or the right doctrines or the right ideas or the right signs or the right arguments? Jesus is saying, no, this is not that kind of a thing. They don't sense my love and care. No argument or sign will persuade them. My sheep, my sheep, by contrast, know my voice. They see me, they hear me, and they follow me. They trust me. I will never forsake them. Even death will never take them away from me. We are one just as the Father and I are one. No one can snatch them away. They can rest assured, and listen to this, rest assured in confidence and companionship. Confidence in the good shepherd's companionship. That's what I want you to listen and to hear deeply within your heart and soul today, that you can be assured of confidence in the good shepherd's companionship. Because there comes a time when faith must lead to a deeper apprehension and knowing than just rational logic. The philosopher Blaise Pascal has a wonderful line. He said, the heart has its reasons which reason does not know. We know the truth not only by reason, but also by the heart. And you see, that is what Jesus was trying to reveal and to show to everyone whom he met. He was revealing the heart of the Father's love. Wisdom and wonders can point in helpful directions, of course, but in the end, everything really does come down to a vital, intuitive, interactive relationship in which you can know, have knowledge, direct metaphysical realism. Don't get put off by that term. It just means it's real. And you can know it and experience it and have knowledge of the shepherd's care in your life. Jesus, in this magnificent chapter, John 10, made this statement. He said, this is why I have come. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That's the good shepherd. He brings another kind and quality and species of existence and life that we would never know apart from his gracious gift to you and to me. Another kind of life. This came home to me in 2014 when I was on sabbatical away from the parish Nancy and I, my wife, went to visit our son who was living in Barcelona with his wife at the time. And one of the greatest joys of my spiritual adventure has been to discover the wisdom and the guidance and the example and story of Ignatius of Loyola, a wonderful Basque soldier 
who at a battle in Pamplona was hit with a cannonball that shattered his knee and his whole vision of his life was over to be a magnificent, glorious soldier. He recovered in his father's castle. There was nothing to do or read and someone gave him a book of the lives of the saints and he started to read because he had nothing else to do. And as he was reading about the saints and about this other kind of life, his heart would grow warm, joy would rise within him. And then when he would dream about going back to his, his great accomplishments in battle and also all the way he was living in society at that time, it would bring him great desolation. And he came to know by seeking, by seeking the shepherd's love and life, that there was another way. So when you welcome life under the care of the shepherd, under the care of Jesus, my friends, it's self-validating, just like jazz is. It's self-validating because it is real, and you can experience the care of the life of the good shepherd. Let me close with three invitations out of the magnificent 23rd Psalm, which was, oh my gosh, done so well. Thank you. Three invitations. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. I have a life without lack. I have everything I need. Is that for real? It is. Because the sufficiency of God to every human need is met through the love and care of the shepherd. We were never meant to live life solely on our own, trying to cope apart from everything except the sufficiency of God. No, we were made to live from that place in an interactive, confident companionship with him. Number two, he restores my soul. To restore is to vivify. It is to restore in such a way that life comes back to us and strength, and courage, and hope. And the only one who can restore our soul is the shepherd. Each and every day, do you know that you have a soul? And you need to pay attention to the soul. I need to pay attention to it. It needs nourishment. It needs to be grounded in the goodness and greatness of Almighty God. And the shepherd is the one who just revivifies it for us, makes it alive for us, when we seek that and look to him to help us, he revitalizes the inner parts of our lives. And then finally, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. A life without fear, a life without lack, metaphysical realism. Jesus is not just speaking about pretty words. He's speaking about a reality that we can know. And why can we live a life without fear? Because he is with us. The good shepherd is with us and he calms our fears and our anxieties and our worries and our apprehensions because he is with us in confident companionship and he'll lead us all the way home. So come what may, what the good shepherd is trying to teach us is that we are never alone. We're invited into a transforming friendship 
a confident companionship with him into another kind of life. And may each and every day of our lives be ones in which we seek not only to ask the question, but more importantly, to know the reality. We have heard the fact. Let us seek the mystery. Let us open our lives more and more to the reality of God's gracious, loving companionship. He is your shepherd. He cares and he is with you. And you will never, ever be taken away from him. You have an unceasing spiritual life and an eternal destiny in God's great universe. He loves you. He knows you. He calls you by name. And he invites you to follow him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.